Good evening, Patriots, and it's Tuesday, August 2nd in the year 2022. On the East Coast, you are into Wednesday. We'll catch up soon. Patriots, before we begin, you need coffee through the day if you're like me. You need to have coffee. Your morning boost, I get that expedition coffee in the morning, and then I need, like, just good coffee. Good, flavorful coffee that's not bitter, that has a fantastic full-body flavor, that's hopefully organic, and this is, and it's well-roasted, and this is, and where can you find this? This is the new My Coffee. And how do you find it? You head on over to mystore.com forward slash bards. Mystore forward slash mystore.com forward slash bards. And you click on My Coffee. It's right there on that page. And there's all sorts of fantastic opportunities to own and use and consume great coffee. You have three of them, in fact, with two different sizes each. That's like six opportunities right there. So you can do light in a small or two-pound bag, or you can do medium in a small or two-pound bag, or you can do dark in a small or two-pound bag. And, I, and I'm openly a bit of a coffee snob. I, matter of fact, I kind of pride myself in being a coffee snob. And I will tell you, this is really good coffee. I've been very impressed. I've been drinking it in the afternoon, have a cup before an afternoon workout. It's good. So check it out. My coffee can be found at mystore.com forward slash bards. That's the Bards Nation's landing page, the new landing page on the My Store site. And that's all American-made products anyway on the My Store site. And the My Coffee is organic and it's roasted in America. So good, and it's great quality, seriously. I've given it to others to test and try before I even suggested it. I've tried it myself. The dark makes an incredible mocha, so does the medium. I'm not typically a light coffee drinker, but it still has an exceptional flavor. And you know that I roast my own coffee as well, so, and no, I haven't given up on that art. But this is fantastic coffee, so I highly recommend you check it out. Mystore.com forward slash bards. Click on My Coffee. While you're there, check out the other great products that are there on the My Store site. And you will get a great value when you use your promo code BARS, 25% off. And if you want to speak to, to somebody, well, I would say that this time I don't have a telephone number for you. So just go online and do it. It's better. It's easier. It's fast. It comes right to your door. No problems asked. No problems with it at all. So you'll like it. Check it out, mystore.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards, my coffee. That's it. All right, Patriots. So as you know, the drama with Taiwan continues to escalate. And there's so much discussion. I talked about this today. I'm going to kind of repeat some of what I discussed today in Bards in Bended Knee because it's really stunning to me how many people seem to like the idea of war. They look forward to it. And I'm convinced that part of this is they've spent so much time prepping for the end of the world that they're like, man, it better come because I've got so much money invested in my rice and my beans and my canned bacon and my three-year supply of tuna. And I've got a bunker and I've got 100,000 rounds and I've got reloading equipment. I've got 25 guns and I've got to use them, man. It's war time. Let's go. Go time. Well. Yeah, that's not something I'd be cheering for, but I I think that's kind of what's happening. So they're all excited about Nancy Pelosi being over there, which is the whole thing is a 
stupid stunt show. The first question everybody should be asking is why would Nancy Pelosi fly over to Taiwan as an emissary of the United States when it's not even her position or role? And considering that everything else is a complete clown show, and this government is beyond corrupt, it's not even, you can't even call it a government. It's just an insurgent oligarchy with corporate backing that's trying to dictate to people and put on a stupid karaoke theater like we're supposed to believe them, which we don't. But here's what I, I think you should be considered, first of all, is if Pelosi is going over there on her own will, which I think she probably is, either that or her doppelganger, whatever it is, she's probably got the keys to the kingdom on certain aspects of what go on over there. So we, we can be pretty much assured that the deep state does not have control of the nuclear codes. That seems to rest with an elite group of people in Cheyenne Mountain who are not going to release it. And my guess is that Pelosi carries some sort of authority for the bioweapons labs. There's 1,052 bioweapons labs in Taiwan, which just anybody with logical questioning would say, why? And why are so many of those funded by U.S. dollars, if not all of them? And the other question we literally need to be asking is, how exactly did we end up funding a bioweapons lab in Wuhan, which was also formerly was the capital for the Chinese nationalists under Chiang Kai-shek, which were the, are the same people that settled into Taiwan? Isn't that funny? So I want to give some perspectives here as we start to begin on things. And I'm, I'm leading to something tonight. And I, I'm, we're going to lead into eventually, we're going to get to Numbers 20, which is the water of Meribah. And I, there's a reason. I want you to kind of just follow me on this discussion tonight of politics and events and how ridiculous our world is. So let's start with a perspective, first of all, on China. I want you to hear the kind of the different views on how China may see this world. We have a little bit of our view and then their view. I think it's important to get a balance to kind of see what's going on over there because we don't walk an extreme path. We should be walking a center path of knowledge and wisdom. What is not news is that China itself is under threat. These American bases form a giant noose encircling China with missiles, bombers, warships, all the way from Australia through the Pacific to Asia and beyond. I mean, if you were in Beijing looking out, you stood on the tallest building in Beijing and looked out at the Pacific Ocean, you'd see American warships. You'd see Guam is about to sink because there's so many missiles pointed at China. You'd look up at Korea and see American armaments pointing at China. You'd see Japan, which is basically uh, uh, Japan's a glove over the American fist. I think if I was Chinese, I'd have a little to worry about, about American aggressiveness. And we have China surrounded, uh, and we're doing more all the time to try and keep it surrounded and deepen that containment of China. Uh, but China presents a fascinating case of a country that is independent, doesn't have foreign bases on its territory, uh, growing very rapidly, not as rapidly now as it did for 30 years, but still uh, the second-ranking economy in the world. We have an adversary, and that adversary is China, and that adversary, uh, unless there is dramatic reform inside China, 
will be our enemy someday. One myth um, I think really that needs to be dispelled is that somehow China's aiming to replace America and, and, and going to run the world. <laughs> it's not, well, first of all, the Chinese are not that stupid. The West, with its Christian uh, roots, are about converting other people into their beliefs. The Chinese are not about that. It's it's just the I'm, I again I'm not degrading the Western culture. I'm just pointing out the inherent nature, the DNA is of two different cultures. The Chinese two thousand years ago built the Great Wall to keep the barbarians out, not to invade them. I would hope they would have kept Nancy Pelosi out, hopefully. And apparently that's why they're firing rockets tonight. That's their version of the new Great Wall. But here's the deal. I mean, every story has two sides, at least. And when we start to get into these narratives, the question I've been asking over and over is, how come we question the media so much, but we don't question the media's narrative on China? So here's something that's kind of interesting. If you remember last night, I talked about resistance following from the discussion in Bards FM about the Aladdin artificial intelligence program owned by BlackRock. And last night, what we talked about was people taking a stand and not complying, defying the system, not paying mortgages, not paying taxes, not participating in the economy for about two months. And watch how quickly these companies come begging at your door to have you start being part of their system again. Now, little did I expect that the country that I would discover today, there is a country that is leading the way on this protest, and it comes from the least of the places in the world I would have ever expected it to come. Where? China. The Chinese people right now are in a bit of a, of a toss-up because they can't get access to their money, and Evergrande is in the middle of bankruptcy. It's in receivership, and they can't get their money out. They've invested. 70% of the investments in China are in property. The problem is Evergrande did not invest their money in property, not in property development. They used their money to leverage the purchase of more raw land, and they've become so far overextended. This is like the Lehman implosion in 2007, and it's, it's going to make Lehman look like a walk in the park. So the Chinese are now upset. And you've probably heard that the Chinese government, the CCP, has sent in tanks into certain areas where people have been protesting in banks. But here's the backstory to that. This is, again, in a country that's supposed to be the most censored, most monitored, most repressed country in the entire history of humankind, according to our media. And yet somehow, amazingly, the Chinese have organized and are now standing together in various provinces and they're just saying this, we're not going to pay our mortgage until we get our money. It's shaking the CCP to its core. It's disrupting their economic foundation. And there's not much they can do about it because the people's money has been seized and the people aren't going to pay out of their current way. So this is, what I'm, this is a powerful place of defiance and peaceful, aggressive resistance. I would have never expected it coming from China. So I say this because so much of the narrative that we are given these days is one-sided. Always one-sided, in fact. It's, it's always about how evil China is. Let's put, paint the picture correctly. China is developed in its technology because our politicians, our industrialists, 
our oligarchs, our military industrial complex, key people in Wall Street and other places, sold them our secrets. China didn't have to steal them in the beginning. They just offered money and the people provided. They also provided access back doors to most of our systems. That was by design. Our big tech companies exported as much as they possibly could over there. Our, in, our big companies like Ford, GM, they exported as much technology as they could over there. And they didn't care that the CCP owned 40 to 60% of it every time they opened up a, a business over there because it was all about short-term greed and profit. So China didn't get there on its own evil desires. China got to where it is because we had greedy, evil people running our own country with no respect for what it was to develop things that weren't even their own. Think about this. Most of these technologies that were sold were not sold by the people that created them. They were sold by opportunists that were looking to make a buck. That is the same problem we have all through our system right now. So the Nancy Pelosi play, if you're really wondering what's at the core of it, it's a number of things. One is obviously she's got some business over there, and it probably relates to bioweapons labs since apparently most of the world is being connected to the DNC and the central bankers all in one big pile, and they all want to destroy the world with some new virus. But there's probably another play in, in, involved there because somebody on the good side in China, if you remember back about 30 to 40 days ago, released an audio of a meeting where the CCP admitted that it was going to invade mainland USA. And it was going to do so by loading up big cargo ships with these Connex boxes loaded with equipment and troops, and they were going to sail into the ports of California and unload these troops and do an invasion on the West Coast. So it's quite possible that the U.S. Navy took this opportunity to let Pelosi do her little game so they could justify positioning at least one massive aircraft carrier task force with the USS Ronald Reagan right there in the Straits of China Sea. To, to arrest that sort of movement by the CCP. Now, remember, China is under a massive problem internally. The CCP is having an internal war with the 17 traditional families, and they are fighting each other, and there's one particular dynasty that's under attack, and that's, to my understanding, the Han Dynasty, which the Han Dynasty was the one that brokered the deal with the, the deep state, and the Han Dynasty doesn't like the deep state, so they're trying to they're fighting at war with the deep state. In the meantime, the Han's being persecuted by the other sixteen dynasties. So this is a this is a massive war that goes back generations, and it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. And we have a big play in it because we keep trying to pressure China and surround them with missiles and systems, and then blame them for being attacking us. I mean, this is a war. And so they point at things like, well, the, the, the triads are importing fentanyl. Uh-huh. And what have we done over there? I mean, I don't think it's any accident when you look at SARS, the, the history of SARS. You look at the blight that hit their wheat. You look at the, the death that's been striking their pork stocks. The massive rains that have been tasking the, the Yellow River Dam. I mean, all of these things have been happening, and it's not just by accident. There has been an indirect and covert war going on against China to break it and to make it heal to the compliance of the Western powers and the U.S. Federal Reserve note. 
So we have as much involved in the negative of this as anybody. So I, we can't control it. So I just don't, I just kind of laugh at it because this is all part of the Kabuki theater. And in the end, one of the biggest effects of all of this, which is quite interesting, is how do you cure somebody who's in a cult? How do you shake them from the programming of a cult? You have to rock them so deeply with fear and anxiety that the world in which they have worshiped begins to fall apart. Intended or unintended, all of this ultimately, in my opinion, by God's hand, is creating a fantastic event to watch the world wake up. And as much as this sounds like a bit of a parody and comment, it's not. Literally, enjoy the show. Because right now, what you're witnessing is a group of people, mass followers of the this institutional belief system that there is a bipolar world or a multipolar world and that we're all running to the brink of nuclear extinction. First of all, I say as well, okay, I'm trying to see the downside on that if that happens because apparently we're so stupid we can't figure that one out. And I'm not worried about it anyway because we're already walking with Jesus. So, all right, if man's dumb enough to burn themselves to the ground, then all right, we'll just see you all in heaven. So there's no, there should be no stress there. But on the other hand, it is an amazing stress for a number of people, and those that are clinging on to this aren't looking at the big picture and are trying too hard to look at the institutions which they're living in and worshipped by or worship into and are believing. Let it go. These institutions are a lying bunch of structures. They're all built on false foundations intended to keep your mind in a constant state of chaos and paranoia and anxiety and hatred and fear. And those that are in that are going to be pushed to such a level, watch it happen, that the entire world that they know is on the brink of disaster. They're going to be losing their damn mind. And that, patriots, is where we come in because that's the hand of Jesus right there. Let us show you the way to happiness and joy. All right, so there's a couple other things I want to point out on this and just talk on a couple other areas. One is just this piece here. Um, I don't have to play it. I'll just tell you. One of the things that happened over the weekend is that China and Russia came to an agreement on their new reserve currency, which was resource-backed with rare earth minerals, which included gold and silver. So that's another reason there's so much pressure of Pelosi over there right now, because they're losing control of the hegemony of the dollar. And as the dollar collapses, so does the power of the deep state. So they're probably over there. And that's why Russia, in my opinion, and China both declared that Nancy Pelosi's visit Notice they didn't say the U.S. military's presence. It was Nancy Pelosi's visit was a threat to national security. Whatever she's doing over there has something to do with trying to cripple China and force them into the compliance with the U.S. dollar, in my opinion. Now, let's move on to some other crazy stuff. And all this is kind of building to a point because the world is literally insane. Like Paxilvid. Paxilvid is the drug that they have been introducing to solve the problem of those that are getting COVID, SARS, whatever it is, this pandemic garbage, and they're getting sick. So Pfizer, of course, comes to the rescue. <laughs> Don't you love it? Hi, I'm, a, I'm from the drug company. I'm here to help. I'm sure you are. They got the shot. The people took the vax. They took the booster. They took the extra booster, whatever. And now they're getting sick, and they're like, I don't get it. I've literally had somebody in my extended family say, this was a parrot. This is exactly what they said. Well, the doctor told me that after I took the shots that uh, it was good to get COVID because then the next time it wouldn't be so bad. And you're just kind of scratching your head going, okay, 
Can you please explain to me the insanity of what you just said? Because you literally took the shots and now you are saying it's a good thing to get COVID. Why didn't you just get COVID in the beginning? But that said, Paxlovid to the rescue. Paxlovid is the drug that Pfizer has released. And Paxlovid is not a drug to cure COVID. Paxlovid is a retrovirus drug, which means it is designed around the same principles as the HIV drugs. Paxlovid is a drug that openly gives you proof that the immune systems of people have been compromised or permanently damaged or even destroyed. And so what's happening with Paxlovid is as it tries to do its thing, it's only a five-day course, and that's not enough because they probably should be on it permanently like HIV drugs. And when they come off it, then their immune system's even worse off than it was before. And they're, they're getting sick from a common cold, a flu, whatever the heck that is out there. They're not getting sick from COVID. But they're going to keep making it up, and they're going to keep looking at the problem of the COVID, which is their lie that you're going to believe with, and they're going to keep going around in a dishwasher washing machine cycle. So we're, we're, we're all feeling this level of stupidity and frustration that go with it. And this is kind of where I'm leading tonight. I want you to hear this piece from Matt Walsh. This has to do with truth and his interview with a social science professor and a university. I'm just, I'm just trying to start by getting to the truth, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm really uncomfortable with that language of, like, g- getting to the truth again. In social why, why life, is that, why is that uncomfortable? Because that it sounds actually deeply transphobic to me. Um, and, if you, and if you keep probing, we're going to stop the interview. I, if I probe about what the truth is, you keep invoking the word truth, which is condescending and rude. I'm saying how to is, you, how is the word truth condescending and rude? Why don't you tell me what your truth is? And you're walking on thirty seconds more of the ice before I get up. What my truth is? Well, I don't think I really have a truth. I think that there's just the truth, like the reality. And so we should begin by trying to figure out what the reality is. Uh Uh-huh. And why are you concerned with when someone else tells you that they're a man, or even if they use the word male, why are you concerned with not believing them? Well, you keep bringing it back to, you know, how do you respond in a social situation? But, That's what I do. I'm a social scientist. Well, right. But we're in a university. This is a place of understanding truth, isn't it? Or Absolutely. We, are, we pursue truth, truth and so I'm a social scientist, and that's what I but do. But you just said the truth is transphobic. Th- that you would say, that you're, if you're saying the truth is that I get to say, you're not a man, show me your genitalia, that's transphobic. No, no, yes. I don't want to see anybody's genitalia. I, 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 would you mind uh, hitting me in the shins with a crowbar? Would you mind? It would really help me out. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. <laughs> I love Matt Walsh. He's just so awesome. All right. So there is that. And that's at the university, which we should not be surprised at. Now, here, listen to this piece here. All right. This is one. This is a white guy with a beard talking to basically white people. And I just, just listen. I can't even describe it. Just listen. Do you have a problem if I told you, John, that I identify as a woman? No, I guess not. No, go ahead. What if I told you I identify as a black woman? Would you have a problem with that? No, I don't mind. You need to change your skin, dude. <laughs> now, why would I need to do that? Well, because you're a white guy. I mean, like, if you want to go around saying that, sure, go right ahead. What if I told you that I identify as a 12-year-old black woman? If you believe it, like, believe it. I know. I don't know. But I also identify as your child. Would you give me some money, Brad? 
You're not. I mean, I didn't give birth to you. No. Why not? I mean, you're really not my child. <laughs> ah. So words have meaning. Yes, they do. Words, right? words definitely do have meaning. I could identify as a truck, but it doesn't mean it's true. Right. Right. You're right. People are unbelievable. I mean, they just and this is part of the sheep in a negative way, the sheep mentality. They just go along with what everybody say. I don't want to make wigs. You want to say that about yourself? Go on and say about yourself. I mean, I, 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 this is how what I am. I identify as a Jeep owner with a gas card that can be accepted anywhere and it has an unlimited balance and I never have to pay the bill and you just need to take my word for it because that's what I identify as and so I'm going to fill up my Jeep when I'm driving across country and it's going to be free. Well, not really because I've got to identify as a gas card. You know, I mean, this, this is the ridiculousness of this whole thing. And it is, it's become insane and we all feel it. And there's a level of frustration that we have to balance our frustration. We really should be finding this in humor because this is society that's literally lost its mind. I mean, we, we are, we are walking off the cliff and you're, we just have to sit there on the edge here literally and observe and enjoy the show because they're going to have to fall. And this is truly where I'd say the most difficult place is for the remnant because we tend to want to get emotionally involved, especially when it comes with friends and family. But we can't. There comes a point where you just have to disengage. Now, I'm just to get there, – there are some people in my family that have decided that taking the vax was a good idea. I just can't get there. And I have to give my parents enormous credit because they just, they just engage with them. They, my parents are obviously anti-vax, they're pro-health, they're pro-Trump, they're pro-America, but, and they're anti-stupidity, but there's a point where you just have to kind of just let people be themselves, because there's not, they're not going to hear you, and the amazing part is I could sit and go, man, this is dumb, and they just don't even take it on at that level, that's wisdom right there, okay, they just like, look, it's their deal. If they're, if they're not going to listen, we've already been down that route, which is what I've said many times is we have been in this war and we have fought this war and the war has not, has gone as far as we can take it to keep them from doing anything, but they're still managing to find a way to destroy themselves. I mean, here's another piece. I got to play this. This, <laughs> uh, this is a NASA scientist. Here we go. This NASA scientist was arrested for locking himself to a Chase bank. We've been trying to warn you guys for so many decades. Now we're heading towards a f***ing catastrophe. And we've been being ignored. The scientists in the world have been being ignored. And it's got to stop. We're going to lose everything. Five, five minutes from now, they will start to commence around. Standing up for the planet is far, far too important for now. Peter Kalmus works exclusively on climate science with a team at NASA. He joined a coalition of more than 1,000 scientists called the Scientists' Rebellion, who organized dozens of actions worldwide. I've been trying other ways to get through to the public for 16 years and none of it worked. I think it's worth the risk um, to our careers to try to wake up the public to what's happening on our planet. We're not lying, we're not exaggerating. This is so bad, everyone. Um, 
that we're willing to take this risk. I was very kind of emotional and I was thinking about my sons and um, about the future of life on Earth. Scientist Rebellion targeted Chase Bank in some of its protests because it's invested more money into fossil fuels than any other bank. Oh, yeah. That's going to be good. I'm sure he wants to drive an electric vehicle and he doesn't worry too much about those lithium mines, nor does he care much about the fact that NASA lies on everything. And, um, well, <laughs> we didn't go to the moon, at least not the ones shots that we were shown. So anyway, we'll just kind of leave that there. But uh, that's that's the greatest and best in, that NASA has to offer. Oh, my. Now, this next one has uh, just language warning up front, a little bleep that I couldn't get out for this show, but just like you can plug yours for those two, five seconds or something. But um, now this is devastating. Hang on. I don't even know what to I don't know what to say. Just a quick heads up on some American fuckery. Hulu is now no longer allowing Democrats to run January 6th ads, gun reform ads, or women's rights ads. Yeah, they took them all down. So I unsubscribed from Hulu. Oh, good for him. I'm so happy. I feel so much better now. He's made his action. So anyway, the um, the whole thing here is that if we don't find ways to have humor, this is going to eat us up. Now, this is where I wanted to go back to Numbers 20, and it really struck me as a parallel with frustration and what happens here. So let me read this. And just hear my interpretation of this again. You know, this is this is kind of how I was seeing this today, and I think it's 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 pretty interesting. All right, so this begins with Numbers twenty one. Then the sons of Israel, the whole congregation, came to the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh. Now Miriam died there and was buried there. There was no water for the congregation, and they assembled themselves against Moses and Aaron. The people thus contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why then have you brought the Lord's assembly to the wilderness for us and our beasts to die here? Why have you made us come up from Egypt to bring us into this wretched place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron came to the presence of the assembly and the, to the doorway of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, and you and your brother Aaron assemble the congregation and speak to the rock before their eyes, that it may yield its water. You shall thus bring forth water for them out of the rock and let the congregation and their beasts drink. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord, just as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock. And he said to them, listen now, you rebels, shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And the water came forth abundantly, and the congregation and their beasts drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you have not believed me to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly 
into the land which I gave have given them. Those were the waters of Meribah, because the sons of Israel contended with the Lord. He proved himself holy among them. This is a really powerful passage to me, and it's a reminder of us of our duty and obligation in this walk. As I read this, Moses becomes very agitated by a crowd which is completely penchant and completely self-consumed. And I've said this before about those in Exodus. They are so looking for somebody to fix their problems for them. Their faith is truly quite weak. They don't leave Egypt when given the opportunity. They're literally pushed out by the slave owners who are like, look, man, you're killing us. Get out of here. Take the silver, take the gold, get your butt out of here. We just lost our firstborn, and you are cursed. Get. And in spite of the fact they were told to be prepared to leave and to leave after taking the gold and silver after they asked, it still took the push of the slave owners to get their tail out of Egypt. And then they wander, and they're wandering out in mass, and they see the miracles. They go across the Red Sea. They see the miracles of the Lord split the sea. They see the miracles of walking between the split sea. They see the miracles of the Lord crushing the sea behind them as the Pharaoh's army attacks them. And yet all they can do is begin to complain. And they moan and they complain and they whine. And it's never enough. And so here they are. And again, there's no responsibility in this initial piece. And it's always Moses' fault. If you remember when he goes to Mount Sinai, he comes down, he's sitting there with father and he's, and father's like, okay, you know, I'm going to just, I'm going to smoke these people because they're so bad. And Moses is like, uh, no, 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 don't do that, man. Please father, don't do that. It, you brought them out of the promised land then it would look like you brought them out and then you brought them out to kill them. That would look really bad. And God says, all right, dude, I'm obviously paraphrasing. All right, look, I'm going to give them to you. You handle it. So Moses goes down and he walks down the hill and he's like, what the heck? You've got the golden calf going and you're burning babies again. And he loses his freaking mind. He destroys the calf. He makes them drink the water. It's got all the ashes and stuff in it from the burned babies and then executes, what, 3,000 people from the, from the line of Levi? I mean... <clears throat> I, I think he loses his temper a little bit. And I could just literally, I, it's not there, but I always imagine God going, I told you it was bad, man. You wanted to handle it. You got it. Okay. But the amazing part about this is, is that what ends up happening is in the end of that, we have literally, like he, Moses tells his people, it's like now that we've killed them and they've suffered, we can all be closer to God, which is an amazing statement. So now we get to this place, and once again, they rise up, and they're like, Rrr. they're upset. They don't have what they want. And they blame Moses. And God tells Moses, and he, he's very clear, and he says to them, speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. And part of that is to trust in me. Let them witness the power of the voice and trust in me and let them witness the miracle before them and make a choice. But Moses gets upset and you can hear it in his words. Listen now, you rebels. And he takes his staff and he strikes the rock twice as a command, as a directive, go drink. I don't believe that's what God intended. God wanted them to make a choice. 
a choice to trust in him. Now, where does all this come from tonight? The world is in a complete chaos. It's, we have the dumbest things ever happening. We have people screaming that we're going to, got to vote. We're going to win this all back with a vote. You've got people grabbing their go bags, loading up their trucks and their Jeeps, ready to go to the mountains and eat tuna for the next 10 years because they're convinced that we're going to have a nuclear war and we're going to go into nuclear winter. You've got people running around with monkey pox while the world is supposed to be apparently on the edge of burning down and their face is breaking out with monkey pox and they're telling you, you need to take the vax. Okay. You've got other people out here that are, are suffering from this fake COVID for the 15th time, and they're like, I've got Plaxovid. You have people still flying the Ukraine flag, even though the Defense Department has said basically it's over. We got to support Ukraine, man. Do you know anything about Ukraine? No, but we got to support them, dude, because they told me to. I mean, we have the level of stupid in this nation, and in, in particular in this nation right now, that is beyond measure and beyond scope. People are dying literally every day and they're getting tagged as unknown. And people are like, oh, I guess that's normal now. New normal. Well, I don't know. I guess it's, they tell me that it's in India. They tell me that if you take a cold shower, you're going to die. But in Germany, they're telling people to take a cold shower because they have to save energy. But you're apparently not going to die. We are literally living in the world of insanity. And all along, people are looking for someone to fix this for them. MAGA turns to Trump. Trump, you're going to fix it for us. Trump says, y'all need to wake up. Fix it for us, Mr. President. You've got Q folks out here. Oh, Q is going to do it. White hats are in control. Military is going to roll down the streets and fix it all. They're going to do mass arrests. It's all going to be over. All going to be happy again. Be a little tough time. Do 10 days of darkness. Got a little bit of movie going on there. Everybody's going to watch it 24-7. Everyone's going to oblige and sit in front of their TV and watch this loop of a video that's going to tell them everything they need to know. It's going to show all the, the tribunals. You're going to see all the hangings. You're all going to go cool. You're going to get some popcorn. It's all going to be good. We're all going to be united again. We're all going to sing... Mary, Mary, go out round out in the middle of the streets, and what do you know? We're going to be a nation again. That's cute. We've got a whole bunch of Christians over here going, it's the end of the world. It's it. It's it. It's over. It's over. They're going to build the new temple. It's going to be done. That's it. Meantime, Archbishop Vigano tells us almost over two years ago, by the way, the Catholic Church is following the revelation to make it look like it's revelation so that they can make people believe it's the end of the world and take advantage of the fools out here that believe this. My word, fools. I mean, this is literally insane, Bill. And it is completely possible to get completely frustrated with our fellow <laughs> our fellow brethren. Oh. And in the process, lose the voice of God. And we all get frustrated and it hurts when it's family members and it hurts when it's our friends and it hurts when you watch someone who just won't listen, that's slowly dying. And that's real because in the end here, everyone is going to feel this because humanity went crazy and they went crazy because they left God on the curb and they decided to walk in the desert on their own. 
we can't get frustrated. We have to find a bit of the humor. We have to be a bit sarcastic. We have to find that line because if God says speak to the rock, we have to speak to the rock, not hit it. God's trusting in us to trust in him. And his commands are clear. And we're going to hear his commands clearly if we're listening. But if we let our emotions cross our paths and we hear God say, speak to the rock, and we take the stick and strike the rock, we're not listening. Because there's a difference. And there's a reason and a motive that he wants us to do what he wants us to do. If God says, I need you to pack your bag, I need you to travel 60 miles to the east, I need you to go to that town, I need you to deliver cookies to an orphanage or cookies to a school. And you're like, man, I hate that school. I hate that orphanage. You kidding me? There's a bunch of crazies. I'm not going to do that. I'll go another direction. We're not listening. You see, we're at a very critical time right now when our frustrations are real. We're human. And the reminder is that even Moses, in all the cherishing and all the, the intimacy that he has with God, he got to a point when he, at a critical moment when he didn't listen. And so I really think we need to reflect carefully on these days right now because they're laden with traps and they're traps being set by the enemy. And if we don't have our armor on full and we aren't focused on God and our eyes on Jesus to walk that path, it's easy to trip and it's easy to fall. And it could be a very critical moment. We're in the valley of decision. We will make mistakes. Repentance is real and necessary. But we're also on the point of this fight. Because when you look around this world, if you're going to be honest with yourselves, and we are honest with ourselves, we're doing everything we can to hold that light of Jesus in our heart and to bring it into the world. And when you look at all the people out here that are still locked into the belief of the vax and the belief of the pandemic and the belief of Fochi and the belief of China going to nuke us all and the belief of the end of the world and whatever else you want to add on to that, let's not, let's not forget climate change. We realize how far out of the matrix we've already left. We are in that walk in Exodus right now. And it's a profound walk. But it's a little different this time because it's not like we're leaving. We're still here, but in a different paradigm. We're seeing clearly. And in this version of Exodus that we're in, it seems pretty evident that God needs us here because he doesn't want to leave the others behind. And that means that we have to walk right up to that edge and we're going to have to sometimes walk to the edge and watch them fall off. And we're going to have to pray and say, God, please catch them when they hit before they land and break themselves to pieces. And we'll do all we can to speak truth and we'll extend our hand of love and our hand of grace. But we have to listen and not let our emotions jump before us because once our emotions jump before us, we blind ourselves. And we don't hear the nuance and the little things that make a difference to what God needs done. I don't know how much this affected that moment, 
But apparently it was a pretty big moment when God told Moses to speak and not strike the rock. Because what came out of that was enough that Moses couldn't enter the promised land. That's a pretty big deal. So in all of this crazy confusion that we're in, do find time to laugh. Don't take it too seriously. Sit back and chuckle at how things are. Reflect on how Christ would be. You can't tell me Christ didn't sit back sometimes and just laugh to himself and go, wow, (laughs) these people really are nuts. And that's okay. But the one thing he didn't do was get emotionally wrapped up and bent, even in the most extreme moments. In the garden, when Peter drew the sword, cut off the ear, Jesus stayed the sword. The point was made, and now Jesus healed the ear. See, he keeps level through that center. He doesn't get wrapped up in the pendulum swing of emotions. Never does. And that's the challenge that we have before us that isn't really an option. It's what's put before us. And as we accept that walk with Christ, that's the challenge we have. Some will say that that's too much for me. You accepted Christ. You want the walk. No one said it was going to be easy. So tighten up that pack. Tighten up your boots. Get ready to climb, soldier. There's a great picture in one of my buddy's houses. In one of my buddy's house. It's on the wall. He was a special operations veteran. Very good friend of mine. We've spent a lot of good time together overseas and here. And the picture is a soldier with a heavy pack. And he's bent down on a knee with his head bent down. And there's a caption underneath that isn't real visible. And when you see it, almost everybody responds in the same way. They say, oh, look, Jesus is touching him and blessing him. But then you read the caption. And Jesus is there. He's standing right behind that soldier. He's got his hand on his shoulder. And that soldier has a pack. It's probably, in in real terms, because it's a really beautifully done hand sketch, detail. That pack would probably weigh 120 pounds. And that soldier has got his helmet on, and he's bent down on a knee, and he's got his head down, and Jesus has got his hand on his shoulder, and this is what the caption said. Get up, soldier. Pull security. See, that to me is real. There's no time to feel weak. There's no time to be frustrated. We have a mission. We've got to get people to where, wherever they'll be to listen. We have to meet them where they are. Show them by who we are that the way forward isn't off that cliff. And if they choose, we're going to have to just say, look, I'm sorry, we've tried. Pray for them and go to the next. But we keep trying without emotion to blind us because God leads us. And when we do, our ultimate goal is what? Bringing everybody closer to a relationship with Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight blessed and humbled and thank you for all that you give. You have given us an opportunity in this time to see clearly, 
to ride an intense wave of ups and downs and emotions. And in the process, we've been able to expose to ourselves where we get hooked up and where we maybe don't have enough empathy and maybe we have too much. And in this way, Father, we've been able to find a better path, a center path as we've leaned more deeply into Jesus and more deeply into you. We pray tonight for that center path. That clarity that's needed in each and every step to keep us away from the emotions. And we're reminded in Moses in that moment when he picked up the staff and he struck the rock instead of listening to you to speak to the rock. Father, give us the clarity to speak to the rock. Stay our hand when we want to strike the rock. And unless you command, let that staff be a staff to walk with, not a staff to punish with. You bless us with so much. You've blessed us with health. You've blessed us with strength. You've blessed us with compassionate hearts. We just pray that now that we can continue to grow in this path to be greater and deeper in our relationship with you through Jesus. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, Patriots, there's a lot to laugh at. Take some time to laugh. There's a lot of crazy out there. Don't take it on too seriously. We can't control Taiwan. Sure as heck can't control Nancy. I don't think I would want to even try. Let me be clear. You can't control what the fools do on the red buttons that launch the missiles. We can pray like crazy and get all worked up by it, or we can just spend time with God. Listen to him. Do the things we know that we can control, which is to strengthen our home in the relationship with Jesus and God. Make sure that our neighbors and our children in the neighborhoods are supported as they need to be. Build those gardens to grow the food, to take responsibility in our lives, take responsibility for our work, to use our gifts and talents, take responsibility for our health and our wellness, and not rely on the clinical institutions. Continue to pursue the knowledge and insight that we need, not only to grow as people, but to understand what goes on in our community so that we know where we can best add support to improve things. And continue to be good stewards to conserve and use well what God gives us. That's our greatest strength. One house at a time, one community at a time, one county at a time. And in that whole place, we hold that steady path. We listen. We speak when God tells us to speak. We strike when God tells us to strike. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. So keep your prayers up. He wants to hear you, and we need to hear him. God is always going to win this. We know that. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war, and he trusts in us. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. 
and out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to the level ground. Oh, I can see it now. I can see it now. Something to find. 
it close on the cold days, darling. Counting all the ways where you are a safe place to hide from the rain.